Welcome to Nairobi Chapel Embakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Today we want to look at John chapter 1. John chapter 1, 1 to 14. And I remember uh, when Fred spoke two weeks ago and even Lawi last week, and even I was talking to John, it's so interesting that Jesus is everywhere in the Bible. You know, when you think of Jesus, you think of New Testament all the time, but Jesus is actually the Word. And John chapter 1 says that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I again. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone uh, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The Bible says that the word became flesh, made and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace. You know, if, if, if the Bible was a series, Jesus is not those characters who appear in season 5. <laughs> Jesus was in the beginning. Jesus is that series. A story is told uh, in the US, before the US Supreme Court had, had not yet banned Bible reading uh, in public schools, now they've banned it. So it was okay to read the, the Word of God uh, in school. So there was this uh, it was a Jewish school, so one of the students went home and told the parents how the teacher uh, talked to them about, a read, from, read from the scriptures and talked to them about Jesus. So, you know, for Jews that is very disturbing, yeah? For them, the word is the Old Testament, yeah? So they found that deeply disturbing. The following day, they went to the school's principal, Aksema, I, this teacher, I think, went against what we stand for in this school and uh, exposed to our son teaching about Jesus from the New Testament. So the principal was like, no, that cannot happen at all. But the parents remain adamant. So that teacher was called. So the teacher was told about what had happened. Then he said, no, me, I did not read from uh, the New Testament. But the parents said, just read for us that portion of scripture that you, that, that you read yesterday to our son's class. So he took the Bible, opened it, and said and read, He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering, and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. That's Jesus, right? So the parents were like, you see, that's what he did. And 
the teacher was like, no, 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 no. I am not reading from the New Testament. You are right in your observation that I am reading about Jesus. But I am reading from the Jewish prophet Isaiah. It's your prophet, you Jews. The Jewish prophet Isaiah in your Old Testament scriptures. So this is just to show that Jesus is the word of God. And Jesus has always been there from the beginning. Yeah. Now, as we celebrate the birth uh, of Jesus, we know that he did not just come to die for us. But even in his life on earth, he modeled for us how to live our Christian life. So today I want us to look at just five things that we can pick lessons from Jesus' life uh, on earth. So the lessons we learn from this man, JC. So the first one eh, is the importance of small groups. Small groups. The importance of small groups. When Jesus was beginning his earthly ministry, the first thing he did was to establish his small group, his disciples. That was the first thing he did. Luke 16, 32, 16, let me just read. It says, when morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John again, Philip, <laughs> Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Oh, on a light note, someone who said, I think Jesus' biggest miracle was finding 12 guys with English names in the Middle East. <laughs> So, Jesus' first ministry, earthly ministry, was started by establishing a small group. Did Jesus need these guys to carry out his role? Jesus did not need these guys. Jesus would still carry out his role. He did not need these guys. But he was modeling for us the importance of interpersonal relationships. These ones were very key. And he was doing as it was in heaven with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Those relationships are very key. And let me tell you, church actually happens in those smaller communities. As we come here on Sunday, it's just a culmination. It's just a culmination. Church happens in those smaller communities. And if we read uh, from the book of Acts, chapter 2, from verse 42, it tells us about the early church. The early church was not a mega church. These guys used to meet in each other's homes. Yeah? Acts 2 from verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. <laughs> Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread, told you, their homes, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So many potluck. Yeah. Praising God and enjoying favor, the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The numbers did not define the church. It's not that they were like, we are 20 people, we can have a church. They did church, they carried out the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, 
selling their possessions to reach out to the needy. And because of them acting out church, people came to the church because of that. So, and, and Jesus, he, he, he witnessed to so many people, multitudes, fed thousands and thousands, but he spent most of his time with his 12, with his small group, with his inner circle. So there's something very crucial about that that you can learn from Jesus. In this church, I mean, John has mentioned some of the places you can plug in, pun intended, plug in, yes. Plug in being one of them. We have deeply defined the, the worship team, deeply fried. Yeah. Breaking of bread. As in, there are various ministry spaces in this congregation that you and I can join. And church happens in those spaces. Amen? Another, another fascinating thing is, as we were coming together as a congregation, to raise funds to buy this wonderful equipment here. Of course, uh, with the exception of the first family of LCM Bakasi, we formed a WhatsApp group. And apart from, yes, there was a lot of banter, as in, wounds? But, but let me tell you, I saw God work in that space, and I saw church in that space. Yeah? It's very interesting how I saw gifts being used in that space, and I'll even talk about it. So, one thing we can learn from Christ is about the importance of small groups. Let's plug in and, and ensure that we are, we are having church. The second thing we learn from Jesus is giving. Now, um, I want to ask you a two-part question. Love is a dash-letter word. Four-letter word. You have a pattern. And the second part, it is spelled. Okay, I'll give you guys half a mark. In this class, uh, love is spelled G-I-V-E. Give. The scripture we all knew from time immemorial. John 3.16. For God, the world that he, his only son, that whoever believes in him, Shall not perish but have. Yeah. So, God did not just love us. God so loved us that it was manifested in giving. And what did God give? God gave us His best. God did not give His. He did not send an angel or a prophet or just anyone. He gave His one and only Son. That's how much and how deeply God loves us. And the reason he did this was to win us back because we were separated from God because of our own sin. So God gave his best instead so that he can win us back. Jesus, in the same scripture, gave his own life, gave his best because of his love for us. Romans 5.8 says that God... God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God did not tell us, go and sort yourselves out. You become a bit better. As in, he loved us in our sin. When we were still sinners, he sent his son to die for us. John, again, 15, 13. There is no greater love than this. 
to lay down one's life for one's friends. And this is exactly what Jesus did. Jesus emulated by giving. Imagine if we were to lay down our lives, our rights, our desires for the sake of others, thinking of others first. Rather than fighting for what we deserve, what we think we own, that this is ours, what if we just served? What if we just loved? What if we just sacrificed for the sake of other people? This gospel you talk about will really travel far and reach many people. So, a few months ago we learned about our gifts and abilities. So, are you using your giftings? Everyone, everyone has a gift. And the gift is you have is for the edification of the body of Christ. And you are not using your gift, you're denying John's edification. We're meant to edify one another. It's a symbiotic thing God has given us. So it's very important we use our gifts. Pasi, I saw people using their gifts. For your WhatsApp group, you may mention. Believe it or not, we had two budgets. <laughs> we had budget A and budget B. <laughs> And budget, budget B to me was like, ah, he is our. I think he is not to Because budget A was quite ambitious. But I saw people exercising their gift of faith. They said, Apana, we will do it. We will do it. And then something that I, I did not have that gift. I saw people exercising that gift. And guess what? It was done. Yeah? So it's important for us to use our gifts. But what we did recently, for instance, about uh, the, the, the funds drive for the equipment, my prayer is that that will be our DNA and not just a one-off. Apart from our gifts and our talents, God calls us to give from our income, God calls us to give from our produce, from our sweat, from what we work for, because God is the one who has blessed us with those jobs. So. This, I think I, some Sunday, I think some few Sundays ago, Pastor Fred mentioned that Nairobi Chapel gets more support from non-members than from members. First of all, thank God for them. <laughs> and may they continue, yeah? and may more people even plug in in that way. But my prayer is that when we get to 2023, that statistic will change. That the giving from here will supersede what we get from outside there. Amen? Amen? That because, as we've seen, this is not Pastor Fred's church. This is our church. You and I are the church in this place. We know, we all know about the scripture from Malachi 3.10, which talks of bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, says God. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not drop their fruit uh, before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. So if you look at this scripture, it says you bring it into the storehouse. A storehouse is where you are fed. Do you, do you get spiritual edification and nourishment in this congregation? This is where we are fed spiritually, yes? And when we talk of the 12 tribes of Israel, they were all given an allotment of land, territorial lands, for them to become 
fruitful, to graze their animals, to plant, and to become fruitful. All apart from the Levites. The Levites were not given. The Levites were the priests, were the people, their spiritual leaders, basically. And they were meant to be supported through a system of tithes and other gifts. And that, and that is why we are called in our own occupations as we come to church to also give to uh, the work that is being done here. It has been mentioned about outreach next year. That requires an element of first one of us, all of us giving of our gifts and exercising our gifts to giving of our resources to ensure that that is done. The third thing we learn from Jesus is that Jesus was very compassionate. Jesus was very, very compassionate. He loves everyone and is moved by the troubles that you and I face. Even if it's how little, it's something that moves Jesus. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, Jesus says that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus did not say that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to perform signs and wonders. It was about meeting us at the point where we are, where we feel that we are struggling in. And I want us to look at two people who experienced uh, Jesus' compassion. And the first one is the Samaritan woman. You can get the story from John chapter 4, uh, from, from verse 7 to 26. So we'll just read a few scriptures, uh, read, read a few verses. So it says that when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? says that his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Clearly, it is Ahuwa na So these guys had to go to buy food. But I think what is encouraging, we all cause our takeout. So, <laughs> so the Samaritan woman said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? See, the Jews did not associate with Samaritans. They were of a different social class. Jews had this holier than thou, I am better than you, basically. Yeah? And the Samaritans were like, we cannot associate with them because we are of a lower class than them. But Jesus was able to break that and reach out to this lady. So Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift, God, the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So they went on and on and on and on and they talked. Then Jesus got somewhere and said, Go, call your husband and come back. Then she said, I have no husband. Then Jesus said, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. So the woman was quite, uh, I mean, like, look at this guy as a prophet. How do you know all these things? So the long and short of it was by the end of this conversation, Jesus had reached to her heart and had convinced her and talked about how God is looking for people who will worship him in spirit and in truth. If Jesus did not have compassion on her and maintain that level of I am a Jew, you are a Samaritan, we don't mix, this woman's life would, not, would never have been changed. Jesus had compassion on her. He did not condone her sin, neither did he condemn her. So he was able to reach out to her because her compassion, 
I mean, his compassion brought out, brought out uh, her receptiveness to the word of God. So that is something that we can learn, that even as we go to do outreach and to minister to other people, that we need to have compassion. The second person who received the compassion of Jesus was Lazarus. Lazarus was Jesus' boy. The book of John chapter 11 from verse 32 uh, talks of uh, when Mary, Mary was the sister of Lazarus, went to Jesus, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Then it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Then the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. It's so powerful. It's not with other words. It's just Jesus wept. That is a verse on its own. And I think um, if you read through, at the end of it, he resurrects, he resurrects um, Lazarus and says, he tells the people, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I think the fascinating thing for me was Jesus knew when he was coming here, he knew he was coming to resurrect Lazarus. But still, he is moved by the grief that these people are going through. I mean, he would have stood there and said, Bas, no. It says that he was moved by the situation, he empathized with Lazarus' family, and not only that, he was filled with grief that he himself cried. Yeah? And when he says that, take off the grave clothes and let him go, do you know grave clothes can represent so many things in our lives, things that are holding us back, and it can be even our holier-than-thou attitude or our pride. Yeah? So it's important for us to get rid of those things that are holding us back and more so not be like the Jews who looked down on Samaritans and other people. So Jesus did so many things that showed um, his compassion. He touched lepers and at that point lepers, it was not acceptable for them to interact with others and even touch them. Jesus touched them. He healed the son of a centurion who was an officer in the Rome's uh, oppressive army. He healed the daughter of a pagan. He taught the crowd. He fed them. He healed the sick. As in, he did so, so many things. So, in as much as we've said that as we want to go out and do outreach, that we need people to exercise their gifts and also to give resources, we also need to have compassion as we go out there and reach people, and reach out to people. The fourth thing is prayer. Now, I think this is one of the things that I feel in 2023 personally I need to really cultivate an attitude of prayer. Nowadays, we get answers from everywhere. If we need something, Google. Nimeona, uh, there's something called it, GPT or something, an AI thing. You can ask it anything and it will give you an answer. Yeah? So we look for answers in every other place without realizing and acknowledging that Christ is the answer that we need. Jesus molded, modeled for us a life of prayer. Luke 5.16 says that, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Often means, of course, regularly. To lonely places without distraction. To focus on his heavenly father. Now, if Jesus, this is, in very nature, his God. If this guy used to pray, how much more do we need to pray? In our righteousness, we are told it's like filthy rags. How much more do we need to pray? Yeah? 
We mentioned that Jesus uh, chose his 12 disciples when he was starting his ministry. The verse that precedes that, Jesus actually prayed before choosing the 12. Do we pray for our, our friendships, our associations? Or to Nengianga too, then after a few weeks, there's a fake friends. Fake friends. <laughs> this is the year for cutting off. Cutting off people. Do you invite God when you're making friends? For him to guide you to give you those associations that will benefit you yeah jesus prayed so much that when he was about to be crucified he prayed and not just praying for himself he interceded prayed for his disciples prayed for other people imagine you're in a situation you're about to die at that point you're just thinking of let me pray after you pray every day and then by naturally you just cry out for yourself but he had cultivated that uh, culture of prayer that even in a difficult time he would still pray and Jesus taught this, the disciples how to pray in Luke 11 from verse 1 it says that one day Jesus was praying in a certain place when he finished one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples he said to them when you pray say Father hallowed be your name your kingdom come give us each day our daily bread forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. So we give a model prayer. And if you don't know how to pray, you can just take this prayer. Be praying it. Then just look at it. The first thing, we are praising God. Use your own words to praise God. Thanking Him, asking Him for daily bread, your provisions. Pray for the things that you need. Thank Him for the things that you prayed for and that have been answered. Forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. So Jesus showed them how to pray. But what is fascinating is that um, this disciple did not ask Jesus to teach them how to pray because Jesus was a teacher. He asked Jesus to teach them how to pray because he saw Jesus pray. So even for us, when you are praying, people will notice it. I mean, not, I'm not saying you pray like for people to notice it, but people will notice if one, either you're prayerful, or two, that your life is being transformed and we want to know what it is that you're doing. And even in that in itself is a form of outreach and evangelism. Then finally, a difficult one, Jesus modeled forgiveness. Jesus modeled forgiveness. I mean, that is why he came. <laughs> to die for us, we are drunk, we, are, we crucified him, and he still chose to die for us. And I know we all have someone we can think of that has wronged us, right? Okay, if you don't have, maybe you're that person. <laughs> but I'm sure we all have someone we can think of, even if it's not current, even uh, past. And we feel justified. We feel justified to be angry with that person, you know, and and pray those vengeful prayers. No, 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 those prayers. Nambia, God, God, I know vengeance is yours, but I have a few ideas. <laughs> I have a few ideas <laughs> and I want us to look at someone who uh, experienced Jesus forgiveness and this is one of the disciples Simon Peter Matthew chapter 26 gives us this story Jesus was about to die and he tells us he told his disciples from verse 31 that this very night you will all fall away on account of me for it is written I will strike the shepherd and the sheep 
of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. No, Peter, where they like those people who they speak before they think, you know. So alikuwa, even if, I'm sure you even looked at those other disciples, even if those guys, mimi, yeah. Then uh, Jesus answered, truly I tell you, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. But Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Peter was adamant that I am your ride or die. I'm your Jesus, I'm your ride or die. That same portion of scripture, same chapter, verse 69, says that now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him, says, you also were with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied it before them all. He was like, I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out of the, to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again. I'm sure he was like, I can't even hide. <laughs> so he denied, denied it again with an oath. He says, I don't know, I don't know that man. Who? G- G- Jesus? Gabriel Jesus? <laughs> I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> but after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. So imagine you are, you are a loud guy, then you have an accent. Yeah? Then he began to call down curses and swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. Then it says that Peter went outside and wept bitterly. So fast forward, Jesus has died and he's resurrected. Uh, I think the book of John 21 captures this very well. It says, uh, John 21 from verse 15, when they had finished eating, oh, sorry, gonna dish you, but, uh, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than this? Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. How many times did Peter disown Jesus? Three times. How many times is Jesus asking him whether he loves him? Three times. And three times Jesus tells him, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. You know, Jesus, he was about to exit the flesh and go. And Jesus, that powerful ministry he started, the person who was left, quote unquote, in charge was actually Peter. Jesus could have handed it over to any of the other disciples to teach him a lesson. You know, but Jesus forgave him, and not only did he forgive him, he reinstated him and gave him a mission, gave him a plan, gave him a purpose. Jesus, unlike us, is not petty, he's not vengeful. And Peter went on to have a very powerful ministry, and he is one of the reasons why you and I are here today because of the early church. 
So, church, as we go to this time of Christmas, as we've been told by the children, let's remember the reason for this season, and let's try and draw these lessons from the life of Christ. As we go into a new year, it's an opportunity to turn over a new leaf, get into a ministry group, get into a small group, grow, learn from each other, let's do life together. Learn to be a giver of your talents, of your giftings, of your resources. And also, have compassion when you speak to people, when you interact with people, have compassion. Let's become prayer warriors. Let's cultivate that attitude of prayer. That's one of the things we're told the early church used to do. Breaking of bread, of course, you can your hair. But stay great. Yeah. And finally, a difficult one, but in the lead up to Christmas, if there's someone you need to forgive, I mean it's difficult even for me. If there's someone you need to forgive, let's not celebrate the birth of Jesus because before we do that, let's go and reach out to them and forgive. Amen. Join us every Sunday from 11 a.m. at Trubani House off Airport North Road. Have a blessed week.